Hello, friend, and welcome to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the state of the divine flow as well as any questions I might receive from the human collective consciousness. Enjoy! Hello, hello, my dear ones, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. How are you, my darlings? Oh my God, what an interesting time to be alive. Um, I figured today we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening right now instead of doing you know, some of the more evergreen topics. This is such an interesting period. It's a very charged period. So I figured there's a lot for us to talk about. And specifically, uh, we're going to be discussing the total lunar eclipse of May 16th and the period that is going to transpire, that's going to happen um, after for almost about a month, right? So we're, ta we're talking about um, the period through, let's say, June 17th, give or take. That is what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be talking about some collective energies. We're going to talk, we're going to be talking about some of the um, astronomical slash astrological events. And per usual, you know, I will dive a little bit deeper into the energies and hopefully we'll be able to guide you through this very fascinating period. All right, but before we dive in, a couple of housekeeping items. For those of you that have already tuned into Our Sacred Universe, um, another podcast that I created on meditation, thank you for doing that. If you have not checked it out yet, this is your golden chance. This is your golden moment. I have been recording um, meditations for it. There are There's a lot that's coming through. Um, those are more than meditations, though. Those are guided journeys. So um, in each of the episodes, I would take you on a very unique, very special journey into a particular cell of the universe. And a lot of those journeys are magical. A lot of those journeys are very unique. Um, what won't we be doing on, on, on that podcast, I think, is, is, is a good question because it seems like and what it's shaping up to be is quite a unique space. I've mentioned this before. I'll say this again. It's a very heart-led space. So we're going to be working a lot with the energies of the heart, opening up your um, higher hearts as well, um, as well as working with different facets of the universe. So again, I just wanted to take this chance to invite you into that sacred space. And there's just so much that's coming up through the pike on that podcast that I'm excited to share with you guys. Okay, on that note, um, also, if you haven't checked out my book, 72 Keys to Manifestation or an Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist, it is available on Amazon. It is a book on manifestation abundance. It is a book on creating the best life yet. 
I think it is a wonderful companion. It is a very spiritual book, obviously, because I don't do anything that's not spiritual. But it is also a journey. It is a guided journey of 72 days where you get to move at your own pace, where you get to discover various secrets around how the energy moves, how to make things happen for yourself, what could be certain things that are in the way of you achieving the life you want. But in general, it is just a good spirituality 101 book on top of, you know, um, a very practical guide on how to manifest the life that you want. So if you haven't checked it out, it's available on Amazon. You should. Okay, cool. Last but not least, um, we have uploaded a Q&A video that I promised you guys for, I, I don't know in how many episodes. Um, we uploaded that on YouTube, at least part one. Thank you all for submitting the questions. The questions that you guys submitted are so deep and I love the facets and the, the topics that they allow me to bring to light. So um, my YouTube channel is called, uh, this is Maria, Maria with a Y, a weird spelling. So it's M-A-R-I-Y-A. Again, if you haven't checked it out, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, you probably should. You're missing out. That's it. That's all on the housekeeping side. I think we're ready to dive into the topic of the total lunar eclipse. Um, now, you you guys, if, if you've been following me, you know that I have been on the topic of elementals for quite some time now, and I intend to get back to that topic because there's still so many beings that we haven't discussed. But I really just had to make a pause and address what's, what's happening right now, right? Um, so why don't we talk about what's coming through the pike very, very soon, as soon as this Monday, May 16th. All right, so what we are all going to go through is a total lunar eclipse. It is going to be in the sign of Scorpio. And there are, you know, there are essentially, it will be the last eclipse of this eclipse corridor that we have been going through for a few weeks now. Um, it's been a very charged period. It's been a very challenging period for some of you. You may have noticed that over the past give or take three to four weeks, you have been gravitating. It's almost you've been thrown into a particular area of your life. And that area was front and center for you, whether you wanted it or not. Whatever area you were organically thrown into was not random. Because during these types of charged astronomical, astrological periods uh, between the two eclipses, um, humanity goes through massive upgrades. Humanity also goes through massive challenges. And very often, the areas where you can get the biggest upgrades are going to develop almost a particular type of magnetism to themselves. So those areas that you're meant to upgrade within the most um, are going to really put themselves front and center in your life. Like you can't, couldn't miss those areas of your life if you tried. So some of you have been magnetized back into relationships, dealing with a particular relationship. Some of you may have been magnetized back to your jobs, your families. Um, it could be, um, a, you know, dreams and aspirations, maybe like an area of your life that you have been postponing and not really making any specific actions on. Whatever you have been gravitating towards naturally, whatever you have been drifting towards over the past three, give or take three weeks, 
is a very, very important area of your life. Do pay attention. It was not random. And please know that this is an area of your life where you're supposed to make the biggest upgrades. So that is fabulous, you guys. And that is good news because it is a dead giveaway, right? So first things first, don't make yourself wrong for whatever you had to be solving in the moment. It is all fine, right? And during the time um, of like um, eclipses, one thing you would notice is it's not a time where humanity can be in control. This is the time where human beings are being led towards an outcome or they're being faced with a particular challenge or a particular puzzle to solve through and work through. So even if you tried, you know, um, and, and even if you had a lot of resistance to a particular area of your life that requires healing or requires addressing, chances are you couldn't quite escape it. And I'm here to tell you that it is completely normal and there is light at the end of the tunnel, as always. What's more important, right, is what's coming through the pike. Now, I will tell you that you have been, unbeknownst to uh, you, you have been sensing the energies that this lunar eclipse is bringing for about six days now. So the energies of this eclipse started manifesting, or they usually tend to start manifesting themselves a good week, if not a little longer prior to the eclipse actually happening. So we're smack in the middle of these energies. And like I said, we're going to experience the wafts of this, the remnants of this, all through essentially uh, June 17th. So it, it's these energies are here to stay. Now, um, what are the energies, right? And what, you know, should we expect? Um, anytime you have an eclipse in a particular sign... Um, in, in this case, Scorpio, right? Um, the energies, the challenges that are going to be addressed during the period surrounding the eclipse are going to be under the tutelage of that zodiac sign, right? So in this case, if we wanted to dissect what this lunar eclipse is all, is all about, we would need to look at the sign of Scorpio. Now, every zodiac sign is extremely multifaceted. So just looking at face value of the energies of Scorpio is not going to be extremely helpful. I will tell you, I will tell you, the areas that this eclipse have come to help us heal, upgrade, or just face in general. And they are ruled by um, the sign of Scorpio. So the first energy that I'm sensing through, and it's massively, massively loud in the collective, you guys. It's so loud that it almost overshadows all of the other energies. And I kind of hate to bring this up, but I will. So um, Scorpio is a sign that uh, deals a lot with sexuality. So the energies that this lunar eclipse is bringing up um, for humanity to heal and address are actually the vibrations of lust. So that is the first frequency that we're going to be talking about today, the vibrations of lust. Um, second energy that is stirring up that the Scorpio uh, sign is going to be addressing is money. Uh, but not clean finances, if that makes sense. It's all kinds of shortcuts and all kinds of disturbances in the frequency of money and wealth that, you know, you may need to address, such as, you know, what could be like a disturbance in that frequency? 
wanting to get rich quickly via a scheme instead of working towards your money, you know, trying to get a shortcut. Um, stealing could be a form of trying to get rich quick. Um, or any other type of fraud or forgery or, you know, any, any, like all of these instances where you're trying to enrich yourself, not through legal or um, uh, rightful means, if that makes sense. So that's uh, another energy that's going to come up for collective of the humanity to heal. The third one is the aspect of personal power. And um, a little bit of a sense of self-worth. Um, so that's also coming up for us to solve on a collective level. Personal power in the sense of, do I have the power of making something happen? But also the distortions. So anytime there is a lunar eclipse, um, you experience a distortion field because um, the moon actually is rule or rules the water element right, or manages and oversees the water element of planet Earth. So, and do you know, like, for instance, like objects, when you put them on water, in, inside of water, it's like really hard to tell how close or far away the object is from you because a water, like the element of water, is really good at creating illusions. And one of its use cases, one of the use cases of this element is creation, the creation of illusions, right? So we're also going to be addressing illusions, by the way. In general, for every lunar eclipse, but specifically for this one. So what are the stories that you have been telling yourself yourself that are not true because there is a distortion field? Um, going back to my earlier point around self-power, any type of distortion that the element of water creates around the sense of self-power or self-worth may start bubbling to the surface. What could be some examples of that? Um, abuse any kind of abuse of personal power, uh, any kind of behavior where you're forcing others to dance to your tune instead of, you know, being a, a good citizen, so to say, and allowing people to follow you, you know, and your way of being if they choose to and not following, you know, you and, and, and your proposed way if they feel otherwise, right? So any type of manipula manipulation, coercion, uh, putting your foot down and saying, no, you do this because I said so. Any of those types of like abuse of power are going to come uh, and bubble to the surface. And again, like I said, some of you may have already been feeling this. Know that if you're going through anything that's similar to what I'm describing, it's not random. Remember how I told you 2022 is a year of karmic returns? This is a year where humanity is going to ha have to face its karma and it's going to have to face the music that it has been composing, the tune that it has been composing for all, for essentially centuries, right? Because we're sometimes, we don't, unfortunately, during these types of karmic uh, years of release, we don't just get to um, dissolve and address our own karma. We also have to address the karmic debts of our lineages, our parents, their parents, you name it, and then humanity at large. So... Um, however, right, during years of karmic return, not all of your karma is going to hit you all in one go. So there are windows of opportunity. There are different frames and energies, time frames, I mean, and energies that are clustered and spaced in a very um, particular way all throughout the year. Like there is a rhyme and reason to every karmic year. And very often, there are going to be planetary movements that would enable humanity 
to face certain kinds of problems or certain kinds of issues, right? That is why there are a lot of commonalities as I'm looking at the collective level, as I'm um, evaluating the energies of, you know, planetary movements, as well as the energies that are bubbling um, to the surface of the collective. There are a lot of commonalities of what you guys are going to be dealing with, right? So it's not random. Uh, it's just we're talking around a particular event. So enough of you are going to be dealing with very, very similar challenges. Okay, so issues of self-power, right? And taking the power of others, right? Which is the, the whole manipulation. So the dichotomy of victim versus abuser, those kinds of relationships, those kinds of dynamics are very front and center in, in, in the collective right now. So whether you are the victim in this scenario or you are the abuser, the abuser, those kinds of relationships are heightened. The tensions are heightened. Um, emotions are also heightened, um, but it's also because it's a full moon, you guys. And, um, you know, uh, everything in the kitchen sink kind of wants to show up and, um, and, and call your attention to it. The last thing that um, I will mention, although this is not strictly related to the energies of Scorpio, but it is. Um, a borderline um, thing that the Scorpio also addresses is the concept of truth and lies. So that's another thing that humanity is being tested for right now. Um, so we're being tested um, around the worth that we put on the truth, um, as well as tempted, potentially, um, to, to say, to, to tell lies, right? So definitely be on the watch out. This is the period where the integrity of your word is going to be challenged, where you may be called out of nowhere to tell all kinds of lies from large to small to medium. And this is just how the energy of this eclipse is, is panning out. This is just how the energy of the eclipse is, is potentially going to impact you. Now, couple of things um, to mention here. Um, um, lunar eclipses are a very interesting time or very um, are a very interesting phenomenon um, and, and times of the year. Um, in a couple of my past episodes, I may have mentioned that there, you know, the moon is currently used as, you know, um, a means of controlling certain aspects of life on Earth. I will go as far as saying that there is such a thing as the lunar matrix. Now, this is not uh, anything that we've ever discussed, but essentially any human being on Earth can be a part of one of the two matrices. Um, you can be a part of the lunar matrix or you can be a part of the solar matrix. Now, there are some people also, by the way, that can live um, at the cusp of the two or, um, you know, bring the two together, which is probably what you uh, would want to aspire to do, right? Uh, because, again, bringing everything back to balance, you know, uh, not picking one or the other tends to be the answer on planet Earth. Um, the lunar matrix is the matrix that is intimately connected, obviously, to planet Earth. The lunar matrix, in, on the, from the one standpoint, could be considered the mother matrix, and the solar ma matrix can be considered the father matrix. Um, however, this may not be a, a um, totally correct way of looking at it, because the lunar matrix is also the matrix of control. Um, and it is a more 
localized matrix. So the lunar matrix, and again, because um, the moon is um, the Earth's satellite, the impact and the might, if you will, of the moon, the power of the moon, doesn't really stretch far beyond Earth, right? So it is a very localized matrix that was built by the beings that are currently running the affairs on planet Earth. The solar matrix is the matrix of cosmic proportions. So the solar matrix is the matrix that enables you to connect to uh, the remote, the remote, uh, the remote places of the galaxy, right? So the moon matrix is a localized matrix. The sun matrix is a more global, a globalized matrix. Um, the sun matrix is the matrix that you would tend to naturally interact with um, once you move past your heart space. So um, the heart chakra um, around the assemblage point is the last chakra in your body that lives within the constraints of the lunar matrix or the moon matrix. Once you start uh, rising, raising your consciousness, raising your vibrations, once you start raising your assemblage point, an assemblage point is essentially a point of view, which for those of you that don't know, tends to be attached to one of the seven main chakras. Once your assemblage point uh, moves beyond the heart space, it's going to be very difficult for you to stay within the lunar matrix. And you're going to start moving into the solar matrix, which essentially is where your connection to your higher self lives, where your connection to um, higher cosmic beings lives, um, where um, your connection to source energy actually lives. Um, sun is also a proxy or like an office, uh, like a remote satellite office of source consciousness. Um, which is why aligning to the energies of the sun is essentially aligning to the energies of source or God. It could be an extremely healing experience. It is one of the healthiest life habits you could have. Now, on that note, um, when, when we are born into human bodies, uh, everybody tends to start within the lunar matrix because it is believed um, on, you know, and, and there are many reasons for that, but essentially, um, babies are extremely dependent on the mother, right? So, um, you need the lunar matrix to keep you within the certain guardrails as you're growing up as a human, right? In the same way that you need your mother to nurture you, to cater to you, to teach you how to walk, talk, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, when you're a toddler, arguably you're dependent on your mother, right? So we very often, not very often, but every single human born into a physical body starts inside of the constraints of the lunar matrix. And then as you start developing and growing and developing spiritually, there is an option for you to graduate into also being a part of the solar matrix. Now, arguably, it is very hard to, you know, once you become part of the solar matrix, you're still, um, you're still essentially part of planet earth right and so the moon as a satellite is still going to impact the waters of your body etc etc but the most important thing is as you're going through your spiritual development one of the healthiest things that could happen to you is you graduate from a lunar only matrix or a lunar only control system and kind of rise your raise your head above water uh, and start receiving solar energies the reason that I'm I went on this seeming seemingly like long tangent, which it wasn't by the way, is this: the times of the lunar eclipse are your gateways. 
into graduating into the solar matrix. Let me say that again. The times of the lunar eclipse, which is what's going to happen come May 16th, is a portal, is a gateway. It's an opening in the weft, in the, in, in the collective energy. And that opening would enable you to graduate from a lunar-only matrix into the solar matrix, right? Or shall I say the solar-lunar combined matrix? Here's why. When the moon is at the state, going through an eclipse, it is the weakest position of the moon that you can have of anything. You know, new moon, full moon doesn't really matter. Um, this, on, you know, from the perspective of the impact of that planet, and I know it may sound counterintuitive, but when um, a planetary body is being eclipsed, it's actually very mom like momentarily for like a very, very few seconds. It creates an opening, right? So the moon goes dark, but it goes dark from um, at the same time that the sun is in full force, right? At the same time, when the solar eclipse happens, it's, it's the opposite, right? As it relates to planet Earth, a solar eclipse is the weakest spot of the sun and the heightened spot of the moon, right? which would enable you, I guess, if you were originally attached to the solar matrix, that would be an opening into the lunar matrix, if that makes sense. I don't see anybody talk about this, unfortunately. I don't see anybody look at lunar eclipse as a means to getting into a relationship with sun consciousness. Like, that is not the information that is somehow available on planet Earth. And not only that, but there are, um, you know, different kinds of eclipses. You know, there are partial eclipses and there are total eclipses. And when you have a total eclipse, that is like the best gateway you can have. Because that means for some time, you know, for a very short period of time, the moon matrix is going to be reloaded, which is what happens during the eclipse. That matrix is going to be reloaded, which means it's not going to be operational. It's not going to be online. And during that time is the best timing for you to actually get connected with the other solar body, which in this case is uh, with, with another um, cosmic body, which in this case is the sun. Okay, so if you are interested in doing that, if you'd like to take that on, and by the way, there are mo many, many benefits of being connected to the solar matrix. Being connected to the solar matrix, A, opens up possibilities for you and opens up brings back that zest of life because uh, being, you know, stewing in your own juices all within the constraints of the lunar matrix gets old, especially if you are working on self-development. Um, as your energies rise, again, as you're opening up all of these other, you know, abilities within yourself as you're going in through your awakening journey, um, staying within the constraints of the lunar matrix can get extremely boring, actually, because it's the same old. And um, the lunar matrix is protective of its dominion. And so it tends to not let through the high frequency codes of the sun. So that, that's why you have all kinds of information around here, around how the sun is dangerous and how you should never be in the sun and how it causes skin cancer. And, you know, you should use SPF and oh my God, and be afraid. And you need like a baseball uh, hat, you know, to cover your, your um, head from the sun and all of those other things. I'm not saying that those are um, incorrect. I'm just saying that 
there, there, there is like a disproportionate amount of these statements in the collective of humanity. And the reason being is because the lunar matrix is protecting itself. Because the lunar matrix um, would prefer for humans to stay within the constraints of the matrix, right? Because when somebody is in your control, um, you get to uh, impact and um, leverage their energy. Uh, beings and humans, in this case, that get in exposed to the sun matrix get out of the control of the localized forces and start receiving high-frequency, high-vibrational codes from their higher aspects, um, source consciousness, as well as the universe at large. Very often, those codes are healing. Very often, those codes are changing um, they would be able to change you at the cellular level. They could even impact your DNA. So true awakening, if you will, true enlightenment, true progress, true development lies within your ability to plug into the solar matrix. Um, the way you would do that is this. Like, I'll give you a quick practice. I'm not going to take you like necessarily through not necessarily going to take you through like the full-blown uh, meditation because we have more things to talk about, unfortunately. Uh, it's like a very charged period. But I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you a really really quick exercise on how you can uh, upgrade your yourself to uh, the solar matrix. Um, come May 16th. Although by the way, everything always happens in the now, right? Um, what is time anyway? Um, you, you don't have to do this May 16th. You can do it right now. Uh, or you can do it, you know, essentially up to, I would say, May up mm, now through May 22nd is, is probably when you would want to do this meditation for it to become um, the best because that um, for it to have the most impact is what I mean. Um, because this is the period, it's like um, this window of opportunity is not infinite. So it needs to be very close um, in the vicinity of the eclipse or it's not going to work. So you would get into a meditative state, you would close your eyes. And you would become present to the fact that your personal auric field is surrounded by this matrix structure. Matrix structure is essentially just a network of cells. It looks like squares, like a network of squares, if you will. Um, kind of like a disco ball, uh, you know, like um, those um, in shape um, with the baby squares. So I want you to imagine that you're surrounded by this kind of disco ball structure. And it is kind of like the shape, not the shape, the colors of the moon, right? So it's um, very cool toned and like yellowish blue, um, like a, kind of like steely, also has like the steely feel to it, uh, like a very cool um, range of, of energies. And um, that is what you're plugged into, right? That is what surrounds you. Um, I would want you first, as you're doing this practice, connect, ask your body to connect to a moment in time of this total lunar eclipse on May 16th. It, and it doesn't also, it doesn't really matter if you're in the past, in the present, in the future, as it relates to the May 16th date, right? So imagine and ask the universe to bring you to the exact time stamp to the exact moment in time when you're smack in the middle of the eclipse, right? So the moon 
is in its lowest point, exactly to the moment when they're reloading the lunar matrix. And you're going to be taken there if you request, if that's your request. From that space of the weak moon matrix, here's what you would want to do. You would want to imagine that you are almost, mm, you're starting to move up and you're almost starting to burst out of this shell of the disco ball that has been surrounding your body. It's that upward movement, right? It's almost like you're hatching out of that shell, the constraints of that shell. So you're moving up, up, up. And then, you know, you would want to move, um, like you would, you would want to accelerate because this is where you need momentum. And um, as you're flying up, as you're bursting through the shell of the lunar matrix, I want you to imagine that there is another ball of energy around you. Like up top, there is another disco ball, but that disco ball has sun energies in it. And so it is, it has this golden gilded um, structure, but also has this like a little bit of a fiery plasma uh, feel to it. And uh, I would want you to notice that that structure has an opening at the bottom, right? And again, the lunar matrix is located right below the solar matrix. So the solar matrix is this um, spherical structure. And you know, just bear with me. It, it can be spherical. It could be other shapes as well. But for this particular exercise, we're using the spherical shape. And it is located along the same axis. It's a vertical axis that connects it to the lunar matrix, which is at the bottom. So as you're bursting out of the lunar matrix, almost like a bird rising, I don't know, like a phoenix rising, then you would want to float up through the opening at the bottom of the solar matrix. And then as you're flowing in, you would notice that that opening is starting to close down, close, close up actually, after you've entered the solar matrix. And so you would imagine yourself being surrounded by all these solar energies. And so your body is submerged inside of the solar matrix. And then one thing you would notice, um, and the process may be different for each of you, but you would notice that Solar energies are starting to penetrate your physical body, like every cell of your body, you know, um, the skeleton, like the bones, the tissues, the cartilages, the, all of it, the muscles, uh, the bodily organs, all of your organs, uh, internal org organs and uh, organ systems and, and bloodstream, all of um, everything. And then um, it, it's almost like they would rewrite the structure of your own body with like solar power and solar energies, right? It's almost like they are lighting you up with all this sun energy from within, right? And that is how you become of the solar matrix also. Um, now, I know we did this kind of like rebirthing into the solar matrix. Um, do not worry about being fully disconnected from the lunar matrix because you're going to try really, really hard to be fully disconnected from the lunar matrix. And most of you don't even have what it takes in, in order to like fully plug out. So don't worry. Like um, the, the, the harder part about this exercise is to plug yourself into the solar matrix in order to not even be confined by your homegrown, like home base localized matrix. And, you know, the more so it's it's the challenge with Earthians uh, and by Earthians, I mean, people who live on planet Earth um, tends to be staying put and, and staying plugged into the solar matrix, not the lunar. So don't worry that all of a sudden you're going to lose your moon connection. That's not going to happen. By definition, you have that, right? So th this is a quick exercise to enable you to have 
both, um, you know, to be plugged into both of the matrices. Um, okay. Going back to the eclipse on May 16th, because there's a little, a, one more thing that I want to talk to you. Well, I don't know if it's one more thing or 10 more things, but, um, it's, it's a big topic. Here's another thing that you need to know about what's coming through the pike on May 16th. And we're going to readdress some of the statements that I made earlier about the energies of the Scorpio that we are all are smack in the middle in of. Um, as we're looking and examining the energies of that day, one thing that is worth mentioning is that the sun is going to be in conjunction with a star called Algol. Um, Algol is in the constellation of Perseus in the Milky Way galaxy. And Algol is a star that gets a lot of bad rep. It is a star of a lot of charged energies, you guys. One of the names of the star is the demon star or the star of the devil. Now, before we dive into this aspect, and by the way, I'm, I didn't mean to take this all morbid and I, I'm only here as a guide, right? Um, and we're going to keep the vibes really high, regardless of what energies we're talking about. But actually, uh, why don't we do like a quick, um, just because, you know, just saying, anytime we talk about demons, maybe we want to put like a quick protection on ourselves. Uh, why don't you guys uh, put a pyramid of white light? If you're listening to this, just like really quickly, you don't even have to think hard on it. Just imagine that your body is surrounded by a pyramid of white light. And uh, that pyramid of white light um, is protecting you from any kind of uh, suboptimal frequencies that could potentially enter in, in, in your zone that have been uninvited. Okay, on that note, once your white pyramid, pyramid of white light is firmly in place, we can move, move forward and talk about algal. Um, so algal is, in, like I said, in conjunction with the sun. What does it mean? When a planet is in conjunction with another planet, they are in full alignment. And they are almost like they're not, they don't become merged, but um, they almost like develop um, a, a connection in that moment. It's kind of like if you were two humans, right? It would be like making um, a very prolonged amount of eye contact, right? So it's like the sun is looking at the algal and algal is looking straight in the sun's eyes, if that makes sense, right? And so they develop this intimate connection. And very often it jump starts, especially when the sun is the one that's making eye contact. It can jump start a particular cycle, right? So um, the sun is going to absorb some of the energies of algal, and algal is going to absorb some of the energies of the sun. Both, by the way, are impacting Earth in this particular instance, because also it all happens right at the time of the lunar eclipse. Right when I, remember I just told you that that's when the moon is going to be at its lowest. That means the sun is going to be at its highest. That means really what's happening is you should be be paying attention to what happens with the sun. And I know it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because like if it's a lunar eclipse, why are we not paying attention to the moon more? But because the the moon is eclipsed, we should be watching at the moment that the moon is at its weakest. What's happening with the sun? And the sun is staring straight up at Algol. That's what's happening. What is algal? So algal is actually, so like I said, it's in the constellation of uh, Perseus. He was one of the Greek uh, heroes, if you will. 
uh, lauded for his strength and, um, you know, spirit and, um, you know, courage, et cetera, et cetera. But he is um, a, a being that is famous for killing the Medusa. And so essentially the constellation of Perseus is Perseus holding the severed head of the Medusa. And Algol is one of the four stars that is making up the Medusa's head. And specifically, it is Medusa's right eye. Now, going back a little bit to Greek mythology, um, here's what's you know interesting and important to know about this myth. A long, long time ago, Medusa was one of the three Gorgons, one of the three sisters um, that was serving at the temple of Athena or Minerva, a one and the same goddess. Um, as part of her serving in that temple, Medusa had to commit to celibacy. Um, and she had to, because, you know, um, essentially when you were serving Athena, and Athena was actually a really, like a big stickler for justice, um, and she's a big stickler for commitments, personal commitments. In other words, she was not very forgiving when, whether, you know, that was humans who worshipped her or any of her friends or family did not keep their word and did not stay true to their commitments. That is the one pet peeve of Athena. She was extremely not tolerant of any of that. So when one of her main priestesses, which her name, her name was Medusa, broke her celibacy and had, um, essentially she had intercourse with Poseidon and Neptune, one and the same god, of which there were children that were born. Um, Athena got mad and she cursed the Medusa to grow venomous snakes on her head, as well as she cursed her, um, I, uh, I guess eyesight or yeah, I guess one way to do, to describe this would be eyesight, but eye contact is, is, is what I was looking for. Um, she essentially, um, cursed her in a way that anybody who made eye contact with Medusa would eventually, not eventually, would immediately turn into stone. And part of the reason that that was the punishment was because before intimacy could happen, right? Before arguably intercourse can happen, you would want to make eye contact with somebody because that's part of the allure or the learning some luring somebody in. And so Athena wanted to make sure that never again would one of her priestesses uh, betray her in such a way. And so she wanted Medusa to serve as this poster child for what happens when, when you when you don't keep your promises or the promises you've given to Athena. And so essentially, you know, initially what she wanted to do and what she wanted to accomplish was curse Medusa in a way that she could never have another man ever again. Um, but arguably, uh, it, it, it had maybe even more far-reaching consequences, right? Because Medusa could not um, develop relationships from then, from, from that point onward, because essentially having a relationship with somebody means making eye contact with them, which means um, all of her loved ones would turn to stone if they were mortal, right? If they were mortal. Um, I think that's another important distinction to make. Uh, but that being said, that was like a very, very interesting curse. And so here we have a constellation of Perseus 
who essentially slays Medusa. Um, now there's this whole way of how he did it. And eventually the Medusa's head actually joins the shield of Athena. Um, and so a part of the energies of the Medusa um, are also all about protection. Um, but um, yeah, so in the constellation, we have the severed head of a Medusa that has her eye, her eyes, uh, and one of the eyes is Algol. What's interesting about Algol is sometimes it's also called the Winking Star. And the reason it's called the Winking Star is because it's it is actually a variable star. So you have certain stars that are constant. So the amount of light they emit is constant. So they're shining, you know, all, all day, every day at a particular, um, and having a particular level of luminescence. Algol does not have a static level of luminescence. In fact, it has cycles. It goes through cycles that are um, uh, two days long and change, um, which is the cycle of the winking of that algol. So essentially you have the eye that is like winking. Uh, and the reason it looks like it's winking is because the level of luminescence of the star changes and it goes from very dim to very bright and back to being very dim and back to being very bright. So it's a variable thing, which again speaks back to the fact that Medusa stare has this uncanny ability to shift things that are alive to things that are not so alive, which is almost like a kiss of death. Now, this is the mythology of the star of Algol. This is who Sun is coming in direct conjunction with. So essentially, Sun is staring in the eye of the Medusa. Now, of course, Sun is proxy god consciousness. So I don't think we are necessarily at Oh, we're necessarily running the risk that sun is going to turn into stone, right? Because if you guys remember the myth um, of Perseus and Medusa, even when Perseus slayed um, the Medusa, her eyes did not lose their propensity for turning uh, beings into stone. So that, that propensity, that quality remained until she rejoined Athena on her shield. And in, in, even then it remained. So that is the mythology. And then you also have this connection between Algol and uh, essentially the demon kingdom, which if you look at the vibrations of that star, um, I hate to say this, but it's not a very far-fetched um, comparison whatsoever. Um, Algol does have a direct um, link into one of the nine kingdoms, one of the parallel, uh, one of the parallel earths. So um, in one or maybe a couple of past episodes, uh, one thing I told you is that um, our Earth has eight other parallels. There are four Earths that are above us, uh, which could be considered angelic realms. And then there are four Earths that are below us, and there can be considered demonic realms. Uh, we are straight in the middle. That's why this is called Middle Earth and Midgard, depending on you know um, um, how, how you look at it. Um, right. So that's that. Um, Algol has a direct connection to the bottom two parallel Earths, uh, which is kind of like the, the depth of, of the demonic realms. And because of that, Algol does have a connection to a being that you guys would refer to as Satan. Not saying this to scare you guys, saying this so you can be present to the energies of right now and so you can understand what's happening. 
Um, this is not an episode about demons. Maybe I'll dive just a little bit into what those beings are. Um, I've kind of I've gotten requests actually on my Instagram um, for me to talk about that, and maybe one day I'll do a full episode. But this is going to be kind of like you know a quick demons demon slash Satan one hundred and one, um, just because it's extremely relevant to the energies of right now. The one thing you need to know about Satan is this: um, it is a very should I say he, I guess, uh, he's a very layered being. Um, one way to look at him as a being is from the perspective of him being a teacher. And there are a couple of things that, um, not a couple, there are a lot of things that Satan and his demons can teach humanity. Um, neither of them, like these beings were not necessarily sent here to create a hellish environment for anybody. They were not sent here as a means of torture. They were not sent here as a means of abusing anybody. Um, they are, you know, from a higher perspective, teachers to humanity. Now, whether those, you know, whether they got here voluntarily or not remains to be seen. And, you know, the uh, the origins and the genesis of demons is also a very, very interesting um, topic to explore. But one thing that is relevant to the conversation of today is anytime you have Algol come in direct, um, you know, conjunction with the sun, uh, what's going to rise through for humanity are the areas that are near and dear to the type of teachings that Satan is bringing to this planet. Satan's way of teaching humans is through temptation. Let's just say that temptation is his love language. <laughs> temptation is the language of choice for Satan. That is why the current period um, of, well, it started a week ago and then going into the next four weeks, I would call the period of temptations. Um, tempting humanity into taking certain actions is a really quick way to test humanity. Now, why do I say test? And by the way, some of, some of this, like some of this things that I'm saying, they're so close at the, you know, at the tip of the tongue and everybody um, in the collective, because that is how you already perceive Satan. Now, of course, enough of you don't think Satan is real. Um, and in, enough of you would prefer to only think that the angels exist and all the good things exist. But I hate to say this, this is a world of duality. Um, this is a, a world where um, if you have a large chunk of light, you're going to have a large chunk of darkness in order to be able to balance this out. This is how third dimensional worlds, lower dimensional worlds operate. Again, these worlds are meant uh, to be a treadmill, right? This is our collective treadmill. And every being that exists here exists for a reason, right? By the way, you all signed up for it. So this is the good news. You all signed up for this game. So here, I'm just telling you uh, and explaining to you how this game is run. There are many ways and many um, paths to take um, as far as teaching somebody something. One way is the path of temptation, which is the preferred aspect, the preferred way of Satan. Uh, teaching through temptation is or means putting humans... Um, through a set of experiences where over time, and by the way, over time means over a course of multiple lifetimes, um, 
A person learns what's good for them by undergoing a series of temptations and either taking those temptations and acting upon them or resisting the temptations. Over time, once a soul goes through enough experience around a particular type of temptation, the soul is not tempted anymore because it's been there and done that, right? And there is no more learning to be had. Now, um, right now just happens to be the time when Algol, like I said, is aligned with the sun. So uh, whatever are the teachings and the means of teaching that Satan likes to use are going to come front and center. This is just the preferred mode that the universe has decided to take on in the next few weeks so that humanity can release the most of its karma or large chunks of karma, right? And by the way, there are particular aspects, right? So it's um, what you're, what's coming through the pike is not every single temptation under the sun, but temptations that have to do with the sign of Scorpio. And that is where we're getting back to, uh, you know, this um, lunar eclipse is under the uh, ruling or under the uh, management of, of Scorpio, right? So again, that's where we go back to lust, right? Because Scorpio rules sexuality. That is where we're going back to uh, money because Scorpio does rule money. It's not the only sign that is connected to money, but it is one of the signs that's connected to uh, money. It is the sign that's connected to the concept of self-power, right? So all of those things, uh, humanity is going to be tested on and you may have already started to be tested on, um, you know, over the past week or so. So just expect a lot of different temptations to come through the pike out of nowhere, including the things that you thought you already worked through, um, things that you felt you no longer are going to be ever be tempted by, all of a sudden coming out of nowhere. Um, another thing that's coming right up um, to heal is um, commitments. So that's another thing that um, is coming uh, for the human collective uh, front and center. And specifically around breaking the commitments. So the temptation that's coming through for most of you guys is you would be really, really tempted to break certain commitments um, and uh, break certain promises even. So uh, both, both would be true. Uh, and this is, um, you know, maybe coupled also with this temptation to not speak the truth and temptation for shortcuts as well. So all of that coupled together, I think, would describe the next five or so weeks. Uh, fascinating time. Um, one thing I will tell you about commitments, whereas there is generally not the, like, there's very, it's very hard with uh, karma when it comes to the rule of thumb, right? Because what's good for one person uh, is bad for another person, meaning um, there is no right or wrong, and th there are no right or wrong answers, right? What could be untying, an action that could be untying one person's karmic knot could be the same action that ties another person's karmic knot stronger together, right? One thing I will tell you about commitments 
is this particular area of humanity's um, like day-to-day is pretty straightforward. Commitments that we give to ourselves, truly, like when we are in our integrity and when we're in our alignment, the commitments that we give to ourselves, promises we give to ourselves, are the promises that we must keep no matter what. So, you know, whatever that is, if you have given yourself a promise that you're going to work out three days a week for the rest of this year, now would not be the time to break that commitment. Now, where the gray area is around commitments is this. If you have been coerced into promising something, uh, or if that promise was not made or commitment was not made in the alignment with who you are, that is the, the only kind of like way out. That is your opportunity to make sure that you are kind of like disowning that commitment. That, that commitment no longer stifles you and is no longer constraining you, right? So there we're going back to the intention behind the commitment as well and checking in with ourselves around, you know, was this a commitment that I should have created in the first place? So yes, for some of you, this would mean going back on some commitments intentionally, saying, you know what? That commitment that I made does not serve me. I may have committed to this because somebody was really asking me or twisting my arm, right? In that case, you get to really shed the expectations and break that commitment. But in every single case outside of this, especially if it's a commitment that is in alignment with your path, you better hold on to your hats and keep those commitments because you're going to be tempted out of, you know, out of your mind to, to like break all kinds of commitments. Um, okay. So again, expect challenges and temptations, um, around lust. And that's another thing, right? Um, since celibacy, right, is this thing that got, um, that got uh, Medusa in trouble. The kinds of things you're going to be tested for are the kinds of things um, around restrictions, right? So the restrictions that you put on yourself, again, this is a very, very common thread. This is where everything comes, comes together. For example, if you promised yourself that, again, like any type of constraint that you put in yourself, whether food or drink related, right? Um, if you have decided that you're not going to eat certain foods or drink wine, or if you've decided that you're going to work out or like any type of commitments around health, longevity, youth, like you've given yourself, that's what's going to be tested the most right now, right? Um, now, sometimes you learn the most by... Uh, understanding that you're not strong enough, right, to keep uh, a commitment. So again, there's there's not one way to live through this period, right? And it's not about making yourself wrong for breaking the commitments. But do know when there is that temptation that comes through that is not in alignment with what you promised yourself, do know that it may not be you that is coercing you or, you know, tugging you in a particular direction. It may be uh, the beings that uh, we can refer to as demons. So demons are very interesting. And I'm just going to say a couple of sentences about demons and not, um, not going to say that much. But demons are going to be uh, fairly active during this, um, you know, stretch of time 
um, that is kind of like ruled by this conjunction with um, algol. Um, so they are, they are activating. Um, they're activating because they know that this is their golden moment. Demons are very unique beings because they are beings that actually um, cannot get their energy from directly from source or from God. So they are restricted in how they can feed themselves. Unlike humans, for instance, every single human being on planet Earth has a direct possibility, right? A direct link to source consciousness. Um, same thing is true, obviously, for all of the angelic realms. Every little being in nature is able to feed from source consciousness, right? So we all are kind of feeding from the one source that birthed us and caused us to exist, apart from beings that we would refer to as demons. Unfortunately, they do not have that luxury. That is why they live in the perpetual shadow. Uh, however, they still need to maintain their existence somehow. And one way that they get to feed is by, well, first things first, right? Um, demons are uh, divided um, alongside particular sins, as, as uh, cliche as that may sound, but this is not a bad way of thinking about them. So you have your demons uh, that live in the lust department, you have your demons that live in the gluttony department, etc., etc. And um, the reason they get divided that way is by the virtue of what they eat, if that makes sense. So each demon kind of um, lives a, a, along a, a certain ray. So in the same way that angels have rays, you know, you have your ray of truth, you have your ray of love, um, you have the flip side, you have rays for demons as well. And, um, the you know, those rays are fed by particular emotions that are experienced by humans. Um, so... The only way for these demons to eat is to cause humans to feel this particular emotion. However, that's that you know, I would go I wouldn't go as far as labeling demons evil. Wouldn't you agree that every being in existence is attached to their existence, right? Like you have um I don't know like if if we look at I don't know, wild cats, like lions, right? They kill for a living. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're carnivorous, right? But nobody feels like lions are bad, right? But they murder things, right? And we can go about, like, who they murder and that they, you know, they, they're, like, essentially um, never murdering, like, the best gazelle, but they're murdering the one that would have died anyway. Like, that's beside the point, right? Um, you know, w what I'm trying to communicate is that everybody needs to sustain their livelihood. That's very normal, right? Human beings eat things to sustain their livelihood. Um, demons need to sustain their livelihood, and they are out of luck in trying to get energy directly from source. Now, it's done by design, and it's all part of the grand plan and the great, great game. So demons need to get their energy from humans. And the only way that they're doing that is by tempting. They can do that is by tempting humans. Now, nobody would allow um, demons to lead a parasitic um, type of life, uh, or at least like they're not parasites is what I'm trying to say. Um, that is not their design. Um, the way their class of beings works is actually they um, render service to humanity and they get paid for rendering a service. 
So when a demon that lives on the array of lust, for instance, wants to eat, it needs to find a human that would be tempted by lusty things. And I know lusty is not a word, but I think you catch my drift. So by tempting people to take certain actions that may not be in their long-term self-interest, or that would be in direct opposition to the development, their development at soul level, um, you know, um, demons create these kinds of instances where you will, again, the temptation is put in front of you. Now, obviously, when that happens, you get to do two things. You either resist the temptation or you give into a temptation. When you resist the temptation, in this particular case, last, right? Um, you don't emit the energy of lust, right? Um, and that is when the the demon essentially failed to tempt you, and so they don't get paid in your energy. However, if you do experience the emotion of lust, that is when the demon gets paid um, in the form of your energy, if that makes sense. So one thing you need to know is right now, uh, because of this particular point in time, there is a carte blanche that some of these demonic entities have in order to tempt you into things, right? And again, lust is one. Any temptations around personal power, again, victim versus uh, abuser, like any kinds of temptations around that. If you feel tempted to exert, like exert your power over somebody who is not in a position of power or abuse somebody, um, especially out of nowhere, know that this is a form of temptation. Now, obviously, you can choose to feed demons with your energy all day, every day. There is you know, nobody's here to prevent you from doing that. That is a free will-based universe. Just know that when you're doing that, you're not necessarily maybe doing a service to your higher self or your yourself at soul level. And know that a big chunk of your energy is going to feed a demon. Again, maybe you think of this as charity and that is great and that is up to you, you know, but I just wanted you to be informed and understand what's, what's happening here. Uh, money, right? Another thing that... Um, um, is going to come through. Again, a lot of temptation around maybe stealing things or maybe like not, um, I mean, this is not tax season, but if we were in tax season, an example that I would give you is like maybe not declaring 100% of your income, like the, like all kinds of cheating around money um, is in this department. Like I said, fraud, you know, uh, using like a, a card that's not yours and then like charging back all, of, all types of, uh, you know, temptations like that around money coming straight uh, you know straight up the pike um i will never be the one to tell you this is a list of 10 commandments and you should follow them however a lot of like one of the better ways to untie the karmic knots um is to do the right thing right um um, and I think that you intuitively by now have been given the list of like, uh, what are the right things to do in, in, in each instance, but just know that, that this is what's, what's, what's happening. And again, demons are not bad, but they're extremely, I mean, n n in a dual world, they may be, but not from the higher perspective from, you know, they are just, demons just are, and they also are meant to teach you, uh, the right courses of action to take versus the wrong courses of action to take. In other words, they're not being vindictive or nasty when they're doing these things. They are just looking for food, right? They're doing their job so they can get paid is what it is, right? And it is up to you, right? A couple of things here. 
since we're smack in the middle of angel and demon theme, might as well tell you this. Each and every single one of you, because we're, again, if we're going to the duality, I cannot speak of the demons without talking about the angels, and that's the good news, you guys, huh? Um, you all have a guardian angel. The guardian angel uh, is always located behind your back. So essentially, he is watching your back. He or she, they're female angels, if you didn't know. Uh, your guardian angel is always watching your back. Your guardian angel takes a somewhat passive role for large chunks of your life unless you invite your guardian angel to be with you and, or unless you have specific requests or questions or comments for your guardian angel. Funnily enough, you know this like sometimes in like pop culture, they would have uh, this like very, it's not even a meme, but it's like a, um, like a very cliche type of um, scenario where the devil or a demon, whatever, is whispering something in one of your ears and the God or the angel or God is, is whispering the whole other thing in your other ear. Ironically, this is kind of like even energetically how temptations feel like. Um, sometimes, so um, not sometimes, all of you guys have that inner voice inside of your head. Um, that voice, it just, you know, keeps commenting on the things that you do, um, inner critic, or if it's not very critical, it's still your inner voice. One thing that you may not know is during the times of, or the, the time frames, the periods of temptation, um, that voice can and will be temporarily substituted by the voice of, you know, a being from a demon kingdom. And that is by the way, considered fair game for planet earth, um, because, Again, this is um, a treadmill. This is um, an environment that's meant to teach you things. And so because of that, demons can get inside of your thoughts sometimes. And, you know, when they're tempting you, they're, they're going to cause you to think certain thoughts or play certain thought forms inside of your head that at that point in time when you're feeling them are going to feel like thoughts that are inherent and innate to you that you would perceive as your thoughts. And that is when, by the way, that's where this classic example comes from, that is when your guardian angel, if it is able to, would try to place other thought forms inside of your head to try to prevent you from, you know, going forward with, you know, or, or acting upon that temptation. And so that's where you get this dichotomy of like push versus pull and the black versus uh, white. Now, one thing I'll tell you is, if you are going through this period of temptations anyhow, might as well ask your guardian angel to come, um, you know, on the ride with you. Because at least if that is the case, your, you know, your demons are not going to be the only beings talking inside of your head, but so will be your angel. I will tell you that the more, the, the more you talk to your guardian angel, the more you build a relationship with him or her, the better you're going to be able to um, do the right thing. And it's not even going to feel as a temptation in the first place. Because a guardian angel can create a protective uh, layer around you that would 
prevent certain demonic entities from coming through in the first place. Your guardian angel is the being that can help you maintain high level, high frequency of your vibrations and seal all the back doors through which demons can even access your consciousness. So if I were to give you a quick tip on how to best move through this period of temptations and struggles is by meeting your guardian angel is how. And so, um, you know, next time that you're meditating, um, you know, close your eyes, imagine you are in a beautiful meadow and you want to turn around. Um, and the best access, like if you turn around at your left shoulder, actually, is where um, the like the best access to um, to your guardian angel. So if you turn around, there's going to be an angel standing right behind you. And so you would want to invite that angel to shift to the space in front of you. And um, you would want to hold the angel's hands because the information is very often passed palm to palm. Um, or sometimes you may want to hold um, each other's, you know, like uh, when you can um, hold each other's elbows. Like if you're holding your elbow and the angel is holding your elbow, essentially you're connecting three minor chakras. Your, your, you know, the elbow chakra, um, the um, the palm chakra, and then there's also like a, a smaller chakra in or smack in the middle between the two. So you're connecting these three three chakras, and so you could receive a lot from your guardian angel. I highly, highly recommend you meet your guardian angel. You um, learn his or her's name. Um, you may be interested to ask how long this guardian angel has been with you. One trend that I'm seeing is very often your guardian angel would uh, travel with you through incarnations. Like like th your, your guardian angel could be with you for thousands upon thousands of incarnations, right? You may ask why this particular angel chose you. Um, and um, you may ask your personal guardian angel for advice around moving through this period. Right, because advice that your guardian angel is going to give you is custom to you, as opposed to I'm giving you like the run, the the middle of the road, run of the mill type of answer, uh, which could be helpful, but it's not it's not custom at all, right? So get to know your guardian angel, ask your guardian angel for help. Again, angels cannot interfere to help you with very, very few exceptions, right? Because this is a free will-based universe, you need to invite the angel to help you out, right? So invite your guardian angel to be with you throughout this whole period so you can move through this period with as much momentum, as much bliss as possible and untie as many karmic knots as is humanely possible. And you're going to thank me later. Okay, I wanted to take, I know this has been like a charged topic. We even went into Satan de demon talk, which, listen, is like, is a lot. It's out there, right? Um, so I, I commend you for sticking around. Um, I'm ready to receive the questions from the collective on this charge topic. Anything you wanted to know around the eclipse or the energies that are coming through and um, what you should know. Um, um, as long as... Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just wanted to say one more thing. Sorry, I completely forgot. There's just been a lot of information. One thing I will tell you is this. Um, going back to the Medusa thing, uh, part of it is the temptation, right? But another part is also this. Um, in in the myth, uh, in this Greek myth, we have Perseus um, kill uh, Medusa, right? So essentially we have um, a masculine hero kill a woman who, by the way, by then 
has been cursed, right? So like she's paid arguably for all of her transgressions. At the same time, she was also a very strong woman, right? So she was a woman that was feared. And part of, you know, why this particular um, myth has stuck through within um, the collective human consciousness is um, essentially it's the, you know, the patriarchy, right? And again, the masculinity winning over uh, fem femininity, even when feminine comes across as powerful as a Medusa, as vicious as a Medusa. Like, because like Medusa was the epitome of a powerful woman, right? Killing with her eye, like by, by just looking at someone. That is one of the most powerful female creatures. She also was supposed to have, um, I believe, um, you know, she had wings or could grow wings. And um, so she could also fly. So like she had skills, you guys, right? And so one of the things that is the flip side, because every single eclipse is very layered, every single energy is very layered. But one of the hidden agendas of um, Algol, and one of the hidden kind of like not so obvious lessons here is um, Medusa at one point was always meant to be redeemed. Um, she as a being was not meant to suffer in perpetuity. At one point, Medusa was a beautiful woman who was tempted by Poseidon into, you know, breaking her celibacy. And that is really the core crux of this whole thing, right? Of coming back into our fullness because Medusa is the woman that has been beheaded. It is a female that has been completely disempowered. It is a female that has been brought down to her knees, right? Regardless of how strong she was, because she had a sin, right? So this is a little bit of a reference back to the original sin that Eve carries in her womb, right? And every seed of Eve carries because of her. And going back to that original sin, one thing I will tell you is that we're straight on the finish line to start reclaiming some of that sovereignty, to start reclaiming some of the holiness and start reclaiming some of the integrity that we lost at one point. And I know I'm giving you some, some like pretty charged information because, um, I don't know if, if you guys are starting to feel like this is getting quasi-religious or offensive, potentially. I definitely I do not mean to offend anybody. Uh, but the, the biblical story of the Garden of Eden is actually a very real story. I hate to say this. If you think that this is a myth and it never happened, I have news for you. It did happen. There was a fall from graces. There was the original sin. At one point, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve. It's not today. Um, but there was a time and a place where by eating the forbidden fruit, on the one hand, Eve took that first step towards, you know, the, the descent of humanity into sin. But at the same time, what was promised to Eve, what most people don't know, is that there is going to be an arc of redemption for humanity. And at one point, humanity is going to come full circle into its integrity. And so the seed of Eve has always, was always meant and destined to be cleansed and redeemed. In the same way that the head of the Medusa was at one point meant to be reattached to her body. Now, this is figuratively speaking, not literally. 
reattached to her body and her curse to be removed. So it's kind of like the reversal of the curse where she would just be go back to being a beautiful woman that has never sinned after she goes through trials and tribulations. In the same way that Eve, through her seed, through her children, through building ancestries on planet Earth, was meant to go through a process of cleanliness, or cleaning, shall I say. And in that process of cleanliness, and by the way, Eve knew that. She knew exactly what she was signing up for. She knew uh, before biting off of that apple that with the knowledge, you know, biting off of the tree of knowledge, one of the things that she was signing up for was understanding how to bring humanity out of the race that was um, a slave race, right? It was a race that was always meant to be a slave to another group of, um, let's say, extraterrestrials in this particular case. Um, human race is a genetically engineered race. I hate to say this. You may or may have not heard the pre previous episodes that I did about that. Um, as such... Eve knew that the cards were stacked against humanity in the sense that it was always meant to be a slave race. However, it was mentioned to Eve by the serpent, of course, that if she were to eat of the fruit of knowledge, of the tree of knowledge, that apple, she was going to be given a blueprint of how humanity one day could come full circle and uncover the God consciousness within. Reconnect with source. Stop being second rate and second grade. And so Eve said, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to go through this experience. Yes. And that is when she took of the apple. Right? So the original sin was actually the first step to redemption. Eve took the first step to redemption. She took the first and very necessary step towards humanity, her children, one day becoming gods. And it would not be possible without her. So if I somehow led you to believe that this is such a morbid period, and in the next six weeks, or however many, five weeks, we're all are going to be tempted by the devil for no good reason other than there is the star that is shining right next to the sun or whatever, and they're aligned and in conjunction, and we all are going to suffer, that is not the whole story. The full story is that this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of that journey towards redemption. Like we are on the last mile, you guys. We're at the final stretch. What does that mean? That means that enough of you, enough of human seeds are so close, so close to making it. Enough of you are getting so close to the finish line of claiming your God, goddess consciousness within, and finally releasing the karma of being a race of martyrs and a race of slaves, that this is the final stretch and the final test. So when the devil or demons or whomever comes to offer you whatever you may be, whatever is your personal flavor of temptation, know that the only reason that is happening is because you are goddamn close. And because we are literally at the completion of the cycle. Make no mistake. Okay. And that is the true lesson of Medusa. And the eye of the Medusa. 
She knows that at one point she will be redeemed. She knows that at one point, whatever sin, and I use that word loosely, she committed at one point, right? She is going to be given an opportunity to come back into her fullness. Her head is going to come back, right? So one way to think about this time period is it's an opportunity for us, for each, every single one of us, as well as the collective, to go back into our fullness, to go back into our original blueprint, only better, to claim the God-Goddess consciousness within, and to break the cycle of this karmic payback. It's time, you guys. It's time to move past the karma that we have created time and time again. And this is the time to do it. This is the moment. Just know that you're going to be tested. Know that you can do it. Arm yourself with your guardian angel. Talk to your higher self, by the way, about this period and what is your particular flavor of karma. And just watch. Watch what unfolds and watch what transpires, right? Because I've kind of, you know, through through talking to you, I've planted the seeds. So in that moment, when that temptation comes for you, you're going to know exactly what, what and why. Okay, now I'm ready for, for the questions from the collective. And I kind of, I know I told you we're not going to go into the whole Eve thing and what kind of did. So maybe I broke my own rule. So anyway, but you, you were ready to hear it. So it came through. Um, do, are there any questions from the collective um, around understanding this, you know, what, what, what I just said or anything else that wasn't clear to you? Please ask me now. Um, I'm ready to receive as long as it serves the collective. <laughs> the question is, so was Eve then a good character then? Because, um, we are so used to thinking of her as like a disgrace or, you know, somehow like the, the root of all evil. <sighs> Nothing is ever black and white, you guys, right? And um, that is why I, sometimes I like diving into those like either old myths or old stories, right, that um, have been preserved uh, at the face of the planet, on the face of the planet Earth, but have been maybe a little bit distorted or sometimes a lot, dist a lot distorted. Part of the reason why you have the archetype of Eve, Eve, by the way, represents the maiden. Um, part of the reason why you have the archetype of Eve kind of tarnished a little bit was, again, because of the patriarchy, right? Because the Eve story is the story from the Bible, which is an Abrahamic, like, you know, which is part of Christianity, which is an Abrahamic religion. Um, one thing I will tell you, and I have expressed this before, um, there are morsels of truths everywhere. And that is the most important thing to know, right? So nothing that you fundamentally believe, um, like, whatever religion of the world we may take, right? Um, there is the morsel of truth in every single, um, arm of like religious arm or arm of spirituality. Now using, we have a chance through using our discernment to understand what are the parts and the aspects of each religion that are of the truth. And then what are the aspects of each of the, you know, the religions that are maybe more of a means of control. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it did serve at one point, uh, it did serve um, the Vatican, let's call things as they are, to portray 
all women, or most women in particular, light. And that is how Eve got this label of being the bad guy. Right? What she does represent is the maiden archetype. What she does represent is the promise of redemption. She was the first seed, right? But that's the one thing. Um, another thing that comes like front and center right now is sacrifice. So sacrifice is another like kind of like recurring theme in the collective for right now. The price of transitioning from a slave mentality to a God mentality was a lot of suffering. And so when Eve was presented this journey, this path as an option uh, by the snake. She was, you know, presented with exactly what's going to transpire. And it was her choice. And it's through the choice that we made that this is even possible for humanity. By the way, that snake was not Satan. Uh, that snake was actually an elemental being. Uh, it was part of the Naga kingdom. Uh, we're going to talk about the Nagas maybe next episode or the episode after. Uh, we shall see. It's one of the Earth elementals. So the Naga kingdom is fascinating, you guys. The Naga, the Nagas live. Um, they guard the tree of knowledge and they guard the tree of life. Um, so very, very fascinating kingdom. So that's another thing where like um, certain things just got um, crisscrossed and, and certain things just got attached to the wrong heads, if that makes sense. And, you know, as I'm scanning, just like, the, the human collective understanding of like what's what, there's so much confusion, you guys. Enough, enough, in, enough of you believe that Lucifer and Satan are the same being. There's like all of this confusion that hopefully we get to clear, um, clear up. Oh my God, and the question that I'm getting from the collective is, so you mean Lucifer and Satan are not the same? No, Lucifer and Satan are not the same. There are so two very different beings. Lucifer is um, um one of the main, main, main archangels um, that fell. Um, and by the way, we can go into the whole falling situation and why that happened. Um, he felt it was his his fault that he fell. But um, unfortunately or fortunately, our reality um, is stacked in a way that once um, at soul level, once you reach a particular um, a particular level of development, you get to make a jump. Everybody gets to make the jump. It's just some people make it to the other side, not people, beings, souls. Some souls make it to the other side and other beings uh, fall. And he was one of the ones that fell. Um, and um, despite despite that, Lucifer actually, and you would know that what I'm saying is true if you were just to close your eyes right now and um, like tune into your third eyes. When I say Lucifer, like if you were to try to scratch everything that you guys know from the human collective bubble, and just look at a sphere. Imagine Lucifer was a sphere of, of um, you know, of something. It's like a sphere, spherical energy. If when I'm saying Lucifer, do you guys see the white light or do you see darkness? The answer is, right, for a lot of you, you're seeing the light. Because Lucifer actually means light. Lucid, you know, it's all, lu it means light. Um, so Lucifer is actually a light being still. And um, Lucifer as a being still has a very, very strong connection to archangels and contains within his soul massive amounts of light. 
Um, Lucifer is uh, in charge of the four worlds that are below Midgard as an archangel that fell. Uh, now, this when you fall, it's a temporary thing. Um, falling is almost like a normal process. And, you know, what you can ask me what, what that means. And, you know, but th- we don't have time right now. Um, if you're interested, uh, DM me on, uh, on Instagram, if, if you're interested about like fallen angels and stuff, happy to talk about that. But, um, L- when Lucifer fell, um, he was, he was part of the, you know, like a, it was like a normal course of action. So there is a normal course of redemption. Satan is a whole other being. So if you're, again, paying attention with your third eye, you would notice that Satan and that being is actually darkness. And those are very different beings. And that is why I urge you guys to use your discernment. You have your third eyes for a reason. You have your third eyes so that you could double check every single piece of information and data that comes through into your ears, right? You don't have to believe anybody at face value. If somebody tells you, Something is light versus dark. Go and check it with your third eye. What do you see? Trust what you see. Don't trust what you hear. You know, like in other words, just double check everything, right? Um, yeah. So Satan is a whole other being, um, or the devil. Whoever you call the devil is actually Satan. It's it's not Lucifer. Satan reports into Lucifer. If that makes sense, right? And that is a very very different being. Um, Satan has nothing to do with fallen angels. By the way, it does not represent angelic consciousness at all. At all. Um, Satan is also not the being that can feed directly from source, just like the demons that it runs. Whereas Lucifer can and does feed from God, has the ear of God. It's just here a little bit like exiled for, for, for you know, um, for, for things. <laughs> For things that he did. He did. Okay. I don't know if this was a tangent. Probably was. Because um, I was supposed to answer a question about Eve. Uh, is there another question from the collective? Anything I can help uh, talk through to you? The question is, the actual day of May 16th, are we supposed to do something else uh, Something else new and different? Something similar? Something? Uh, so, sorry, something s- special. Something specific. The day off. Um because there's all this common knowledge or, you know, there's all this um, beliefs in the collective. You're not supposed to start new things. I would say the best thing you can do the day of the eclipse is to go within. Um, the best thing you can do the day of the eclipse is to not have a day that is too active in the physical, right? You want to spend that day in in introspection, and being open to energies, actually, and being open to receiving. Because the one thing you cannot do is protect yourself from these energies. Like, these tests are coming from you for you, whether you want it or not. In fact, you want those tests to come. So you have an opportunity to untie your karmic knots, right? So I actually recommend meditations, you know, meditating, um, you know, at least once, maybe twice that day. Uh, and kind of like taking it easy, right? Allowing your body to just move through that day. Now... All of my previous um, recommendations still stand, right? Meet your guardian angel. Connect to the solar matrix. Um, connect to your, Connecting to your higher self that day is very important. Uh, connecting up to source consciousness as well is very important. Connecting to the sun, looking like doing sun gazing, if, if you can, that would be very important. Spending some time in the sun, just absorbing and feeding your sunspot, Right? Um, if you don't know what a sunspot is, I believe there, I, I made, uh, 
podcast episode about a sunspot. I'm pretty sure. And then I made like a bunch of uh, of Instagram videos on that as well. So all of those things are healthy. Um, yeah, and just be open to receiving. Uh, you probably do not want to do too much travel during that day because again, you don't want to be too too active. Because when you're too active, you're missing out on the opportunities for like energy upgrades and, you know, you're kind of potentially prolonging your own suffering. But other than that, there is not anything else that I would recommend for that day. All right, I'll take one last question around this topic and we're going to call it a day. Um, anything that you were wondering, any points of clarification on the information provided today, I am here to receive it. Um, the question is, um, if we get tempted, uh, all the time, does it mean we're bad people? Uh, don't, not necessarily sure how to answer this question because again, from the higher perspective, there is no such thing as bad people. From the higher perspective, there are people that are in a particular part of their, in a particular juncture of their journey that requires some coaching and development, if that makes sense. And there is no such thing as bad people. Um, however, if you're being, if you're feeling like you're pulled in all these different directions with all these temptations coming, coming out of the woodworks, it's not because you're a bad person, but because A, the energies of the Scorpio and this Algol star are very conducive to you releasing particular chunks of your karma. So these energies are helpful energies, right? In the same way that like, okay, if you're going through surgery, maybe this is a morbid example, but like a scalpel that or like a knife that you know the surgeon has a scalpel knife is that a good thing or a bad thing because i mean the scalpel is going to cut through your skin but really we kind of need the surgeon to cut through the skin for surgery so is the scalpel good or bad the answer is the scalpel is neither but in this case probably more good than bad so if you're being if you feel like you're being pulled in all these directions and you know there's all these temptations going your way it's not because you're a bad person it's because there are opportunities for you to upgrade. And also the energies of the Scorpio and the Algol and this lunar eclipse are conducive to help you, you know, conducive to, to you working with those energies and conducive to helping you move through that, move beyond that, move towards more integrity, more wholeness, you know, you know, and a better state, like a more awakened state for you. So it's actually the good news, right? That's the good news if you if you if you're being tempted. It's amazing, you guys. Like thumbs up, big thumbs up. All right. Well, that's it for today. I think this was long. I hope this was helpful. I think it was out there, but I think you guys are also ready for it. And uh, enough of you needed to hear this. So I commend you for sticking through. You guys are troopers. Go check out our sacred universe. We are uploading some amazing, amazing meditations. Um, yeah, I'm totally excited um about some of the um, upcoming ones so um go check it out on that note sending you a big 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 virtual hug we're gonna get through this there is light at the end of the tunnel i guarantee you you're doing great hang in there and i'll see you in the next one bye thank you so much for listening to conversations with my higher self podcast we hope that you enjoyed this episode please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. 
It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.